0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
1: Whoa, hello. Sorry, I was drifting off. Um, welcome. <laughs> welcome to uh, yet another edition of Lynn Cullen Still Alive. It's Tuesday, Tuesday.
0: And I, I hear Susan on the other end, so I know you're there. Hello. Yeah, I'm laughing at you because no matter how hard you try to watch the clock,
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: you start reading something 30 seconds before you're supposed to sign on, and then you go, oh! <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, wait. Where am I?
0: What am I doing? Okay,
1: so here we are. Uh, I've got... Lots of stuff to talk about. I've been pretty good lately, staying clear of like horrific stuff, but that is really hard to do in these times. Um, I don't know, Sue um, you know this I have to tell you the flash flooding, I just want to talk about that for a second. Um, the horror. That And I was reading an article that this will become more and more something that Americans have to, to know about, to deal with, to be smart about. I'm thinking about, you know, the horror in, uh, where was that? Tennessee, Kentucky?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee. Tennessee.
1: Um, i read, listen to this account. I mean, these are people who, you know, they never experienced anything anything like that. they lived their whole lives right there, put their houses right there. And they had a big brainstorm. And the next thing you know, I'm just going to read this one little bit because to think of the terror, Terry Owen recalled standing on her toes amid the storm, struggling to keep her head above water. She could see the woman across the street clinging to a pillar on her front porch, her cries for help punctuated by piercing screams. Two days later, she could still hear those screams. Ms. Owen remembered shouting back at her, we can't, we can't help you. The water was furious, stoves, refrigerators, cars whipped by. She saw the pillar come loose, and the screaming intensified. The entire house was swooped off its moorings and carried down the block. The woman died, and so did her adult son. And I... And, and then after, can you imagine living through something that horrific, that traumatic, it's a normal day, and then that happens. And this woman who witnessed it, Terry Owen, is quoted saying something that I am so grateful to her for saying, because it is so rare that you hear someone say what she said. She said, God had no more favor on me than the woman who lost her life. I was just in a different place. And I so appreciate that because I can't stand, I understand why people do it. I can't stand people after these horrors saying, you know, God was looking out for me because it suggests that <laughs> you, of course, <clears throat> that god wasn't looking out for those who perished and i i so appreciate a survivor saying saying that it's rare to hear
0: well it is rare to hear i mean <clears throat> we've talked about this before in terms of illness you know that uh you know yeah. for all the people that thank god for sparing them you're suggesting that god deliberately chose exactly. to let others die And that you are somehow special and in his favor, which is just uh, the height of such narcissistic nonsense.
1: But I know (laughs) that's not how they mean it. I don't think that's how they mean it. But they have to, people who say that have to understand that the inference
0: is there.
1: It's not what they intend. Like, I'm special. I'm sure it's not not what they intend,
0: but it is the, the corollary to the statement.
1: Yeah. No, I know, I know. So I was just—it's so rare. I—I'd never seen anybody say that. I never, or maybe they did, but were never quoted because all you hear are God saved me, God was looking after me, God this, that, that. And she said God had no more favor for me than for that poor woman. And she is right.
0: I mean. Assuming well, right. In some ways, you know, as awful as it is to say, she's out of this miserable world. And the and the, and the the survivor has this <laughs> memory emblazoned in her head that will play on a loop for a very long time.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I cannot imagine the trauma of, of thinking she herself was going to die, of clinging to that she light. was next. Right. And then seeing that the, and hearing those screams, which she said she can still hear. The screams. Um, I was most the other thing. You know, your head works in funny ways. Where she she called her the you know the the woman across the street. I mean, this was in a town of what four thousand people. I mean, please tell me if she knew the name of the person across the street. Maybe not.
0: She might not
1: have. It,
0: Yeah, I
1: think in a town that small, I always think, oh, well, everybody knows. But you do think
0: she would have But I mean, you know, it depends. You know, she's talking to someone that doesn't know her. So why would she say, for example,
1: Alice?
0: I could hear Alice. Yeah. And, you know, and the other thing is, if we look at it just as a protective measure, perhaps it's a way of psychologically distancing her from the horror. But, well, this is true, too.
1: Anyway, there's, um, just speaking of this, because we get a lot of flash flood watches and warnings in these here parts. And um, I just think it's important for people to get smarter about it. You know, flash floods kill more Americans than hurricanes every year, more than tornadoes kill all those more flashy things, and it could well be that hurricanes don't kill as many anymore because we have, you know, you know, weeks of warning sometimes. Uh-oh, it's coming this way, uh-oh, and, you know, you can, you know, begin evacuations, remove people from danger, but a flash flood? No. Comes out of nowhere. Six inches of water. Six inches of water can pull you off your feet of fast running water and you're gone. So I'm just saying, I think especially in these parts with our topography, it's really important for people to be smart about this. And um, apparently the FEMA has a map uh, that it puts together of places where this risk is greatest. And uh, some academics looked at the map, it's 10 years old, and said, oh my God, this thing is just totally out of date, given the difference
0: in um, our weather systems. And they Well, say, you know, and just let me interject a purely practical thing, and that's, that's that all of us who are homeowners need to reevaluate whether our need for flood insurance and those of us who never even considered it are going to have to reconsider whether it's smarter to have a little flood insurance just in case.
1: Exactly right. And in fact, in this article
0: uh,
1: about the underestimation by the government of where flood danger uh, lies, yeah. It makes clear that the gov the, the, these flood maps that they put together are intended to be used by exactly by homeowners figuring out if they need flood insurance and how much and also for mortgage lenders who might say ah, I I don't think so we don't want any part in that property so um, the guy who who did this uh, the, this new assessment said there are millions of home and property owners who have no idea the significant risk they face. So just a word of caution, warning, maybe look into it,
0: okay? Yeah, well, you know, I can remember several gazillion years ago when I was living in St. Louis. Um, at the top of a hill, uh, from one perspective, but sitting below a neighbor, uh, who then built an addition onto their house, which took away area for water to water. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay.
0: And suddenly, suddenly I had a raging river every time it rained in St. Louis in my backyard, sometimes coming right up to the house, uh, and it was scary, uh, and I couldn't figure out why this was happening. And in St. Louis, you do get monsoon-like drenchings mm-hmm. even two decades ago. I ended up uh, with my husband, of course, um, causing to be constructed a dry creek bed all around the perimeter of our property. And um, as the years went by, when I tell you that that dry little uh swoop that we did in there and put river rocks into sometimes that was honestly a raging river
1: yeah yeah three to yeah. four
0: so feet you were deep hard to do it yeah you were well smart i'm d- you it. know you do being proactive really helps so that's not idle advice go out and look around your property and see what sits above you because that's how you figure out what your risk is
1: well, in Pittsburgh, generally speaking, there's quite a bit above you. <laughs> That's why I mean, that everybody has to <laughs> every reevaluate. Think, yeah. Every time you think, well, I think my house is really uh, some of the highest land around here, and then, well, you know, look,
0: until you see your next door neighbor is higher yeah, than you.
1: Is looming? Yeah, which mine is. is
0: yeah, over? yeah, yeah. But yeah. so you, you really so. do have to make a an assessment and. um And boy, is it smarter to buy flood insurance in a place that is not marked floodplain. It won't cost you a fortune and you'll have it.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. And because I think the mortgage guys are still, and the insurance guys are still using that old FEMA map which underestimates the
0: risk. So then this so, would be the time to do it, guys.
1: This would be the time <laughs> to do it. Exactly right. You might have better information. I don't know. I,
0: don't um, know.
1: I also, Suze, I came on another um, quote that just made me crazy um, today. I want to share it so I can make other people crazy. Why should I be the only one? Um And uh, it's from Condoleezza Rice. Remember her?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Sure. She was uh, Secretary of State under George W., right? Right. Yeah. Uh, So she helped get us into Afghanistan. Right. So apparently she has been talking about now that we're attempting to get out. And are getting out. And here's what she wrote in the Washington Post. 20 years was not enough to complete a journey from the seventh century rule of the Taliban and a 30 year civil war to a stable government. We needed more time. What unbelievable arrogance And it shows that the one thing we do know is that we simply refuse to learn from history.
0: No, we took absolutely no account of their culture. None at all.
1: What? She thinks what? How many years? Yes. How many years do you think it would take to impose our cultural values, our culture on a country that has been rather adept over the uh, over history, throwing out big, better, badder, stronger countries intending to impose their will on them. What the hell? And even now she says that. We needed more time. I wonder how much time she thought, she thinks. I know she's not an idiot, but how
0: blind. Can you be? Well, it's more, it's just more a a set of beliefs that doesn't let, uh, of it, rather arrogant beliefs that doesn't allow for the possibility that there's any other way or that yeah. other people have a right to determine what is their way, whether we approve of it or not. Yeah, yeah, it's just beyond belief, just beyond belief.
1: I saw a quote somewhere, and I might mangle it, but it it, it, it said the only thing the only thing we no i'll see i can't I won't even mangle it it's about you know it, it, the the quote about you know um knowing our if you What's the quote about knowing history if you you fail to learn from history? uh, 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 Something
0: uh, failing to uh, learn history condemns you to repeat. Failing to learn from your mistakes condemns you to repeat them? I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's not right. But we know, but that's the the sense
0: of it. Um, And the
1: quote was something about the, uh, the one thing we know is that failure failure to learn from his men. Oh, fuck it. It
0: (laughs) Somebody, somebody (laughs) will email you.
1: Somebody (laughs) said something about those who, who forget history are condemned to repeat it. Right. Is that closer
0: or relive it or something?
1: I think, okay, whatever. But the quote was pointing out, it wasn't that it was, The one thing we've learned throughout the ages is that uh, the thing that men forget about their history. Oh, fuck it. (laughs) 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 All right. Just never mind. okay?
0: Okay. Those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it.
1: There you go. Learn from history
0: are doomed to repeat it those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it this quote is most likely due to writer and philosopher george santayana santayana in its original form it read those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it
1: there
0: okay
1: and boy is that true it reminded me of that famous Abba Iban quote. Abba Iban was the. Okay, uh, go for
0: it, Neat. <laughs> I'm going to get this one, I swear, because it's just
1: such a brilliant turn of phrase. Uh, and, and, and I think spot on, too. Um, he was the, just a place of, he was this extremely erudite um, Israeli uh, ambassador to the United Nations, is how I remember him. I'm sure he held other positions. And he said, long ago, the Palestinians never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, guys, but that is, if you know the history, it's really rather...
0: it's a good quote.
1: Right? <laughs> I never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Okay. But, Sue, speaking of history, um, there are two obituaries that have crossed my, uh, my desk. That would be my dining room table um, in the last few days. And they are both about the demise of historians. And interestingly, both of these historians were sort of in the same... They're noted because they attempted to do something that caused incredible pushback. And what's so noteworthy about it is that it totally dovetails with what we're seeing now in school boards all over the country. Yeah, well, you mean with critical right? race theory. Critical yeah. race theory and all of that. Any effort to fine-tune or to progress in how we educate our our children about our history is met with this fierce, fierce and what, what these obits tell you, it has ever been thus. So one of these guys is a guy named Gary Nash. He's dead now. He, he was 88. And he and um, others in 1994, at the behest of the National Endowment for the Humanities, um, came were asked to come up with uh, an improved way of teaching our history to students, And so they did. And they, not surprisingly, suggested that teachers, first of all, stop making history, memorizing dates and names. Also, they said, get away from this great man approach because history is made by people, by the people, even the little people, the people whose names we've lost. And all hell broke loose. I mean, obviously this report was longer than that. All hell broke loose. This guy got called a Nazi. He got called a history thief. Rush Limbaugh is the one who led the charge. Um, And it shows that this, uh, what we're dealing with now with critical race theory, is just another chapter in this ongoing fight. By the way, the president at the time was uh, Bill Clinton, I believe. And uh he did not stand by this this guy's guidelines, and all well Clinton did mind. a lot of i
0: mean you know, he I remember writing him of- angry letters yeah. when he with the yeah. don't ask don't tell crap I mean you know No,
1: no, he did a lot of crap
0: yeah anyway, yeah
1: um and then this guy ended up writing a store store uh a book called uh, History on Trial, Culture Wars, and the Teaching of the Past. Well, that book, guys, was written over 20 years ago, and you see that nothing nothing has changed. Um, the other historian is a guy named J- James L- Lowen, and he, you might recall, wrote a book that just got I mean, tons of attention, and a lot of people bought it and read it. Uh, he wrote the book called Lies My Teacher Told Me.
0: Right. You
1: remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything your American history textbook got wrong. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of us who went to college had this experience. You you went off to college, and you took a history class, and lo
0: and behold, for the first time, you're learning History. And no the, you know the, I I the, have the I I want to say that I I realized this like in third grade. I mean, we were learning about Ponce de Leon or something, and 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 I was tasked to, you know, do a little research or something, or maybe it was fifth grade. Who knows? And so I went to, you know, as we all did uh, in that era, I went to an encyclopedia, and I, in our case, the world book. And yeah. I looked up Ponce de Leon, which in school, I was learning what a what an incredible hero, explorer, you know. When you, And then I'm reading that he was this awful, murderous, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember writing that report that I was shocked that what we were taught uh, about was all, none of, of the damage that, that he caused. What I was shocked oh, by no. that then.
1: Hans daily Ode, here's what's in my head about
0: him. Fountain of Youth.
1: Yeah, he was looking for the friggin'. In, the, in Florida.
0: In, in right. Florida.
1: <laughs> That's all I know. And so, what? He brought
0: And millions brought of Americans dieting still dieting. believe that he but, found it.
1: Uh, well, uh, okay. Well, listen. So, this guy, alone, um, here's what he wrote about Thanksgiving. He, he said, one thing people who knew him knew never asked him about the origins of Thanksgiving. It was a big mistake. because He'd <laughs> <goes ballistic. laughs> he go ballistic. It didn't matter how many times he told the real history, he would go insane. So it just says here, uh, here's what, some of what he said. Hey, look, Plymouth, When the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, he says, Plymouth was already a village with cleared fields when the pilgrims found it, deserted by plague victims. But we can relate to that. No turkey was served in 1621, and perhaps it might have been duck. There was no pie. The settlers had no wheat flour for crust and no ovens for baking. The holiday Americans celebrate has nothing to do with the pilgrims. It was invented 242 years later by Abraham Lincoln to celebrate the North's victory. I'm gonna put that in quotation. The North's victory. Oh no, at Gettysburg, not in the Civil War. At Gettysburg. And and all of that is counter to what, and he says the way we taught about Reconstruction, insane. We did, didn't you learn that the black, the free black slaves who took over, there were even there were even caricature drawings of them in suits and ties, in buffoonish ways, trying to be legislators. Everything going to hell because of these guys, and then the white carpetbagger people and all of that. And he said. All of that is just a cartoon. It is not true. Isn't it Duh.
2: disgusting?
1: Howly, I just gotta say. But we prefer
0: we prefer the fairy tales.
1: Yeah, a lot of people do. I
0: we we absolutely those
1: are prefer people who aren't they, as, soon as They don't think that they, you can love a country in all its, you know, complexity and its faults and its really bad stuff and it's also wondrous stuff. They don't. They need to make it into something that's unreal in order to be patriotic, and I don't think that's true. Well, and it's also not
0: patriotic. It means that you, yeah, it means that you actually don't approve of your country if you can't love it as it is, and you you know, as it was, and you can't improve it if you don't admit that it's not perfect. That's the real point. If anything that requires anybody to change is impossible. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm going to, you know, we we, uh, you and I talked last night and I brought up a story that you thought was depressing. But I actually went back and read it. And it turns out it sort of starts out depressing. But I will argue that it does bespeak some good change in attitude. Um, And that's that um, uh, also talking about cemeteries and obits there. There was a. Uh, Metro stop built uh, a subway stop or whatever they call it in D.C. uh, Built on what was a cemetery. And they just picked up all the stones in the cemetery and got rid of them. No one quite knew what happened to them and blah, 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 blah. And of course, this was an African-American cemetery and with some very major People, Mary Todd Lincoln's close confidant, uh, who you know, a, a black woman that, that was at the uh, at, at the White House with her, um, was buried there. All sorts of very interesting people. But the city government clearly didn't think anything in the '60s of clearing this piece of land. They just took it, and they—what happened to those tombstones? Who knows? until someone bought a waterfront a property somewhere out in uh in a you know in in virginia and 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 goes and looks um is inspecting their property and looks down and sees what seems to be a tombstone and then starts looking further and sh- realizes with shock that the property has been buttressed by you know maybe up to thirty seven thousand headstones. That's how many bodies were eventually actually put there. And they did move the bodies, but they didn't bother to say who was who and where was where and blah, 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 blah. So uh, this landowner got very upset and has uh, 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 made a stink and they are recovering all of these stones and they are going to make a uh, a place in the cemetery where the bodies were relocated to place these stones and make them a memorial but it does show that i mean that the attitude in the in the 60s the attitude in the 60s in washington dc is well that's just junk That's not a that's not a venerable spot. That's not. I mean, can you imagine going to Arlington Cemetery and thinking, "Oh, this would be a good spot to have, you know, a subway station." Let's just move these people. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Hey, let me get
1: some emails. I know you're, you're. You're. And there's so many horror stories of that.
0: Well, I'm just, you know, it's nice to know that that somebody that, you know, reacted with horror and then started moving to, to, can't fix it, but you can do something about it.
1: Okay. I agree. Bree writes. Bree's the guy in Malaysia. For many years, my family had a house in Ohio. Across the way, there was a wonderful mini forest with all kinds of plants. And later a couple moved in and paved that mini forest over to build a house and a huge driveway. Our neighbors had a big shed that totally flooded every every time it rained. This neighbor thought it was caused by our grain pipes, that the pipes weren't up to the snuff. But anybody who looked at it for a minute knew the history of that massive vegetation across the street that was all paved over was the real culprit, right? Right. That's where the water went. Water, (laughs) anytime you have, like we put in concrete and buildings and driveways and streets, water... You are
0: removing drainage.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... um, He also says, and in the South Hills, our place is the only one in the neighborhood that still has the original plants and trees behind it. It's also a mini forest. All the others have chopped down the trees. I hate. Paved over all the vegetation. And then they wonder why there's more flooding around the neighborhood. Oh, God. And then Bree writes, hey, there's a new Netflix show called The Chair. They deal a lot with what you and Susan are talking about. Now, I started watching it. It's, um, I loved it.
0: It's, it's, it's great. It, That's, um, I'm about to start watching it. Good.
1: Yeah, good. I just watched the first one. It's, uh, stars Sandra Oh.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, head of an English and, department,
1: uh, head of a struggling English department in some little college. And it's funny and it's smart and I enjoyed it. I mean, I, but I only saw, I just watched one hour. That's all I can, uh, that's all I can say. Um, well, Susan, you had, uh, mentioned, uh, cemeteries and I wanted to share this, this one piece if, if nobody else saw it, I just love this. Uh, there's, a cemetery in Washington, D.C., that's called the Congressional Cemetery. And I guess it was originally there for, yeah, members of Congress, uh, you know, who died far from home, and they just stick them in the ground there. I mean, it goes back a long way. Um, It's in southeast Washington, yeah. So there is a headstone there. For a man named Leonard Matlovich uh, he died in 1988 and he is buried at Congressional Cemetery and his headstone is just wondrous yeah it's a work of
0: art it really is it is it reads
1: I When I was in the military, they gave me a medal for killing two men and a discharge for loving one. Wow. I mean, wow. That, I mean, wow. You wonder
0: how much power can be in just a few little words there? and and how a life that that was spent you know dealing with 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 other people's disapproval could live on in eternity as a reprimand exactly right
1: and why did he want to be he, he picked the place he wanted to be buried and guess who's just a 10 second walk away from him from his um which, by the way, is headstone also proclaims very largely um, a gay Vietnam veteran. Uh, so he just pronounced. Yeah, in case you didn't
0: himself. get the reference.
1: <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't get it, and in fact, you know that's bigger than his name. He just wanted to be known as a gay veteran who got, you know, a, you know, rewarded for killing men and then kicked out. For loving one um, and 10 seconds, 10 seconds meander from his grave guess whose grave you bump into I know I know <laughs> the greatest homophobe the most notorious homophobe in American history
0: well that probably takes him through it
1: J. Edgar
0: Hoover who of course is buried right next to his quote his lover but, yeah, well, I was going to say his, quote, assistant, unquote, a, a.k.a. his his lover.
1: His, this guy, they were such a couple. J. Edgar Hoover. And by the way, the, his gravestone, uh, oh, no, Clyde Tolson, his, his husband. they all right. practical purposes. They lived together. And he appointed, uh, uh, Tolson was the FBI deputy director. They went to work together. They came home together. They were inseparable. Uh, And Tolson's headstone is pink (laughs) granite. I
0: know. I love it. The details are hysterical.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but can you imagine? For, For his entire tenure, J. Edgar Hoover harassed and attacked gay people. I mean, he he went after them with the same fervor he went after the civil rights uh, leaders and he, he called them deviant threats to the nation. Can you imagine? And he had the gall to live openly as a gay man. I mean, he never said it, but the, I wasn't born yesterday. Isn't it
0: astonishing? And so. Well, it's astonishing that, you know, someone like him didn't figure out that people would figure it out, you know. He
1: just knew everybody was so
0: afraid. Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, Clyde was his, uh, deputy director and with him night and day he wanted he wanted to know where he was and what he was doing so that he couldn't you know screw up
1: i don't know clyde was a very handsome man
0: yeah Or he was just jealous
1: which could, which could not be a set of jay Edgar <laughs> Hoover. but so anyway this wondrous guy who put his uh tombstone there so it turns out that whole section became essentially what's called, yeah, the gay corner
0: mm-hmm. with
1: J. Edgar fucking Hoover right in the middle. Of it. Right. Well, I people
0: started know. people started buying up uh, prominent gay men, start mostly, and a few uh, women started uh, started buying up. It became prime real estate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah.
0: people wanted to join in the, literally, I mean, found the company, founded a, a copacetic place to to uh, remain in eternity, but also uh, wanted to join in the silent protest, so to speak. <laughs> the great lie down. The and great lie the guy, in.
1: <laughs> the guy with this wonderful um, tombstone uh, died, uh, as I said, in 88, but he was only 44 years old. Anyway, just wanted you to know, there's some really, um, a lot of gay activists are now buried there. Uh, 60 have already been interred there. About 100 more have bought plots.
0: I <laughs> love it. It's nice. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, if uh, you
1: want to be with your people, uh, you know, in the end, uh, I I don't know. So that, that that's good stuff. And, and it's such a middle finger to... Hoover, I just love the brilliance of it on it on every level, every level. So
2: yeah, there was
1: that. There was that. Now I'm trying to get back to my mail. Well,
0: I read I read something today which I um, which just sort of bummed me out uh, on a uh... on a on another level, but I just it, it turns out that women entrepreneurs to a woman are hearing every time they start to especially if they are in biomedicine and that sort of thing every time they go to start with the funding process they all get asked about elizabeth holmes do you remember who she was
1: oh yeah i saw this story too it makes
0: you sick Right. The There's one woman the who behaves irresponsibly, and now every Theranos. single woman has to answer for her. Like, there aren't how many right. men Theranos. sitting Theranos. in white collar, you know, sitting Theranos. in prison?
1: You've got to describe. you got to tell who's going because that's not a name that a lot. Okay. She
0: is the woman that, what was it, Theros or Thanos Theranos
1: or Theranos? Theranos. Theranos. She
0: and she pronounced- had this biomedical testing company, and it turned out that all of her research and all of her stuff was totally fraudulent, and um, and she's gonna she's about to go to trial. Uh, as her as she rose to incredible fame and then tumbled with much to all of clearly much to all of these men's delight. And now, every time a woman that's in the similar field—a scientific, a scientific field a uh, male-dominated scientific field and also male-dominated uh, financing field. Tries to get funding, they have to answer for this one woman. And and they the in the article they interviewed a ton of women, and they all agreed. And and one of them and one of them said the most interesting she, thing. She said, "I feel sort of sorry for Elizabeth because I've been uh, if I look at what she did, she took the advice that all these men were giving her. I just didn't take it. I was told more times than I could say to to just exaggerate my earnings, some by 10 times. I just didn't do it." You know, as she said, and now we're supposed to pay because all of these men gave her advice. You know, she says, I'm not saying that it's not her fault. She did it. But, uh, boy.
1: No, if any time you're a marginalized group, even though there's more women than men around, but marginalized and on, in these areas, one of your, you know, group that gets in trouble is then used against all. You can ask any black person if that isn't true. <laughs> you can ask a Jew if that isn't true. You ask any minority group if that isn't true. Meanwhile, if I mean, I always use it as this, you know, how if some Jew gets in trouble. I mean, I always get a text from our brother. He's not Jewish, is he?
0: Right. Well, and our father always did the same thing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's a Jew because we knew that. That, and I'm sure anyone in that that we would
0: others, all bear, bear the the blame, right?
1: Right. So we understand that. But stop and think. So when we find out about uh, Gacy or Dahmer or all these serial killers or mass murderers or this and that. Is there a Christian man anywhere, or a Christian that calls another Christian and says, "Oi,
0: why did he have to be a white male <laughs> oh, Christian?" If no, he, they, they don't. God. They, no. Oh
1: my God, they don't have a clue of you know. They that is something again that when you're in a majority, you live in a
0: different life. I mean, there was a guy named Ponzi once. He had a scheme. But does every hedge fund guy get peered at as if, you know, and then there's been a lot of hedge fund guys that did Ponzi schemes, but they get away with it because, yeah, they're fine. You mean Ponzi because he was uh, Italian? No, I mean Ponzi because he was the first one that that came up with
1: it. Well,
0: or I'm that it, it, such that they named it after him. I mean, there were a lot of right. grifters since. Well, who was the guy that just yeah. died? The night, hey, the Jewish guy that that uh, Madoff. Madoff, right? That slept. Madoff,
1: with the- who? Who made off with? Who
0: made off with everybody's, and everybody's money and money even Hadassahs? Even stole from Hadassah for crying oh, out loud! he Stole loud. from,
1: Jews. Well, he stole, stole from fellow Jews mostly. Yeah, he stole. I he had, really
0: he stole from fellow Jews. I
1: had a Jewish neighbor, the one the house that's above mine,
0: right? That right. I earlier in the flooding.
1: And um, he's long gone, but he. I was stunned that he admitted it. Uh, when mother was visiting once, we ended up at their in their house, and um, he admitted that he had invested some money with Bernie Madoff and had lost a lot of money. Um, you know, a lot of people who had lost money wouldn't necessarily share that
0: information. No. And and and, and the other thing is is that you don't know when they say he lo- when he says he lost a lot of money, I mean he might it might not have been what he invested, but what he thought he had.
1: That's right. Because what he he might he had have you was, know, for example
0: there. he invested ten, but Bernie told him that it right. was already a hundred and he feels like he lost a hundred yeah. when really what he lost was ten.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Um Norreen, sorry, Marine writes, the chair, this Netflix thing with Sandra O oh, was filmed
2: uh
1: at Washington and Jefferson College. Oh, is just down the road And Susan, there's a town called Washington, Pennsylvania. <laughs> that not DC. And when I first came here and I was I saw a sign on it saying Washington, you know, that way I thought why would there be a sign saying Washington that way? Well, because there's a town there's,
0: called Washington, a right? little
1: Washington, <laughs> little Washington, PA. And well, I was wondering because I know she was filming. Sandra O oh was filming here in Pittsburgh too recently. Um, I went down Fifth Avenue and there were, you know, you couldn't get from one street to the next because there was filming going on um, at one of those big mansions. It's now like a, a, a bed and breakfast type place. And um, I'm wondering if that was the same, it, that would make sense if they came up here for that. They didn't shoot it all there. I don't know. So I'm, I mean, unless she, why would she be, why would she have filmed two, things uh, for Netflix in the last eight months uh, here. So that must have been what she was filming there, too. I'm just saying it.
0: Well, maybe it's a favorite location for Netflix productions.
1: Well, yeah. They were filming something on my street the other day for two days. God, they're cops out. You couldn't turn from my little street either. It's nice. I mean, it does. Uh, there all these crews now are locals. We've mm-hmm. got a big film industry. It's a lot of work. Here, so that's, yeah, it's a lot of work. So that's great. Um, Margaret liked the story about the cemetery. Um, Susan, yes, we have, a little, we have a little time left. Are are you you're you're not into Jeopardy? Are you?
0: I, well, I I no, but I have been fascinated by by how this thing is playing out, and and I, so we're talking about how the executive producer found the perfect person to hire, as you all know, for the host. It was himself. Imagine that he betted himself. He thought he was great. He gave himself the job.
1: Well, you remember who did that first? That was so funny when George W. Bush appointed Dick Cheney.
0: Yeah, to find
1: him to find him
0: a vice president, and he he said it's that? me, same moi, say what. I, I, <laughs> I looked
1: at all these people, and I have to say, uh, no, yeah, same
0: moi. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that anyway, well and I and and here's the thing that further, I think, I think that in as as revenge, uh, how Sony is allowing him to remain executive producer. I don't know. I, don't I think, think that's. that's right I either. think that's a yeah. terrible mistake, and I think the fans should again erupt and say, "No, he's out." Because the second thing he did is stick us with Mayim Bialik, you know, for as as the newest and I, of all of them. Yeah, yeah,
1: what is that about? I didn't like her either.
0: Eh, I, I don't. I I, I haven't liked her in a bunch of different things. I don't like her. I mean, you know, she's uh, so she's interesting. She's a, you know, she's a uh, neuroscientist actress.
1: Yeah. And Orthodox, Orthodox Jew. Jew. And it's the Orthodox Jew thing that um, I had some problems with some of the things she was saying. I think she's a little, she, um, she's a little out there. In yeah, a lot she is uh,
0: with a lot of things and a lot of. But But, I don't
1: know. I have to admit, I did not. I I saw just one show she did and I wasn't blown away. Yeah, no,
0: I'm not. I'm just free. I'm not even talking about her actual skills at the job. I I just don't find her a um, compelling uh, reason to tune in. Uh, and and any of the others, you know, I mean, the easy choice is Ken Jennings, and they can do it for a couple of years until they, you know, figure out or Levar Burton or Lamar Burton that everybody wanted, you know. Levar. Levar. I think
1: everybody wanted Levar Burton. I think he had a very strong uh, campaign, which most of these people did not. I thought he was weird and
0: personally. What did you think? I
1: I only saw again his first one which I guess he did better after it but I wasn't mild about it either and you know it's like my son wants him because that generation grew up loving him for reading Rainbow right so he and 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 he he's he's great I mean he's a nice
0: he's you can tell nice he's guy nice, nice, he's a, nice he's guy. all about all the right things but I found his delivery uh a little weird
1: So, you know, whatever, I think they should, it says in this, uh, this piece I read today that, yeah, Ken Jennings, who I'm not wild about either, but God knows, I think Trebek wanted him. Yeah. Because it says here he was generally considered Trebek's preferred heir. And in fact, when Jennings arrived to guest host uh, the show. I think he was the first guest
0: host. Um, he found a pair of Trebek... No, his, uh, no Trebek's Tre- wife gave him.
1: No, 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 no. He found a pair of Trebek's cufflinks in a handwritten note no. from Trebek's
0: widow Yeah, waiting for him,
1: which also solidifies the sense that the, the Trebek wanted Jennings. Well, since they're paying such a you know, just Alex Trebek, the
0: saint of all saints. Why not go with that then and give it to Jenny? Why not be respectful? I, you know, right. I mean, I, it's such a no brainer. And, and I can, and I consider what, what, whatever that executive producer's name is, I don't want to know it. Um, I consider what he did just so disgusting. I think it costs him his job period. Um, I do. He said there's nothing nice campaign. about this man. He's he's he says everything nasty about everyone and he, and he's awful to women. Why do you want him to be your executive producer? Cuz he's good at it.
1: Anyway, we have a caller. I think we've had a caller for some time, but I Oh my goodness. Been remiss. Is the caller still there?
2: Yes, hi everyone. Hey guys, it's uh-huh. Mike from uh-huh. Upper Saint Clair. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, our uh, first thing I gotta say is, boy, you two can go through some topic in ten minutes. You went from Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> <You> were, <laughs> we have ADHD,
0: <laughs> and I forget
2: why I called now. <laughs> I
0: bet.
1: Yeah, no, we've had some good topics. Those are all good ones.
2: Yeah, oh, the thanks. chair was filmed in Chatham. Some of the interior. Yeah, now I'm seeing
1: some. I, somebody else emailed me that. So it was also filmed, yeah, right here in Chatham. So that's, yeah. yeah.
2: I Googled it because watching. I saw one of my college professors in one of the scenes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it must be filmed in Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway, my original thought was about Elizabeth Holmes. And obviously that's misogyny, right? But right. I think there's another piece that's missing there. And that's that straight men think that, a pretty woman has some Bengali ability to get them to do something they don't want to do. Now, I know that seems weird to people, women, but really a lot of straight men think she's going to trap me somehow. She's going to get me to do something I don't want with her beauty and her wiles. And I think if Elizabeth Holmes wasn't a pretty woman, it wouldn't have been, there wouldn't be this push back from that. It's just a theory, but I don't know. Well, you know, Wait a there, minute.
0: Wait a minute. So actually a minute. the woman that they interviewed for the piece was a, was a very pretty woman too. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. was also a
0: very pretty woman.
1: So where do you I, get this sense that uh, heterosexual? On the other hand, like, I'm going to push yeah. back
0: on that a little bit. On the other hand, <laughs> way back in the day when I was applying for my first job, and i was uh in new york and i was uh twenty eight and i i didn't i i i didn't you didn't have to close your eyes when I walked in a room i'll just say that <laughs> i i i and i think i got the job because they thought i was attractive so uh and and maybe they thought they could control me and and actually my job was to control them. I was house counsel and my job was to keep them legal. I think they hired a cute young girl that they thought that they could control controlling them. And, uh, but I think being, being attractive helped me get the job. So I think that cuts both ways for women. And I think it still does. I think it helps well, us. Be- and then it gets us in the door and then it shuts us down.
2: Being attractive helps everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But man, I got the I get the feeling because I've been around a lot of straight men in my life, and there's okay. this sense that women will get you to do things you don't want to do.
0: I know because you're yeah. you know straight men are such wimps. I mean, you we right. can just control so them with powerless. with a bat of a single eyelash if that's all we have at our disposal.
2: Right. So we better cover you all in burqas. Because we don't have, men don't have the ability to say, no, I, I won't do that, or that's illegal, or, yeah, because we're entirely powerless over a well, pretty no, no but
1: it, it is true. It is why, uh, you know, these cultures cover women up from, you know, Orthodox Jews to the Taliban to whoever, where women are not allowed to really be seen uh, totally, as themselves because they are thought to have these magical, mysterious powers uh, over men, (laughs) you know, and men can't, I don't, it is so absurd. I've I've always laughed at women being called the weaker sex (laughs) because it's wishful thinking. Quite clearly it's men. Yeah. Quite clearly so fearful of women that they have to, uh, yeah, imprison them
2: uh, without a doubt. And interview them with fear that they're going to get them to do something or entrap them in some way, you know, or, um, you know, the Me Too movement's going to get them in trouble because that whole business. So men are insecure. There's no doubt about it. And those men well, who you ask in this question.
0: <laughs> you know, here's what I have to say to that. Men are insecure and the Me Too movement is going to get them. No, it won't. Not if they don't get someone, give someone reason to say Me Too about them. Just behave respectfully. I,
2: just behave I respectfully. I didn't say it was logical. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. not logical. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: I know, but it's just the poor beleaguered white straight man. You know,
2: we're all rich out to get him, right? Add rich in there too. Those uh, rich, no rich bastards guy. can never. Those rich bastards never get a break.
1: Listen, you, you guys, you stop beating up on these poor guys,
0: right?
1: Just stop. Uh, Father Joseph says he wants Danica McKellar. Who the hell's that?
0: Okay. So Danica Year McKellar Scott. is another actress. She was on. Um, Wonder what was,
1: Years. After yes, she the Wonder Years. PhD in math. Was there, she was not one of the hosts. That's who he wants. Just saying.
2: Well, Susan, she as, as good. attorney, yeah, yes, as an attorney, there was a big in the 80s or 90s. Guy. There was a big Annie um, search for the next Annie on Broadway. Yeah, And mm-hmm. they picked a girl. They made this big production. They picked a girl. And then before their show opened, they fired her and got another one. And her parents sued, saying, no, no, this was a competition. I won fair and square. You can't take that prize away from us. And she won. So is there anything with this, this comp- pretend competition, when you're going to just pick whoever you want anyway? Any legal uh- ramifications for that?
0: I don't understand uh, how they won. I, I
2: mean, no.
0: Well, no. It depends on on uh, you know what the written material says. You know, I don't know what yeah, the written a contract. So I, you know, they, they all had a contract. Um, if it was a competition such that someone was going to get to win fair and square, but I, I now I don't think there's a legal action here. I just think that um, it. It, it, the the natural consequences of the actions made it implode.
1: Which is right, you know
0: one of the ways that society over... functions without a lawsuit.
2: Yoo-hoo.
0: Yes, Yoo-hoo. host
2: Yes, host. We are She's kicking time. us off.
0: Oh, it's eleven oh two.
2: Well, if you'd have picked up ten minutes ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. Okay. But uh thank you. Thank you very much.